Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. Okay, this is Alan Blaine, and I am pumped to interview our special guest today, John Hans. John grew up in a Christian home where his mom taught him how to love Jesus. His dad was a basketball coach, which is the sport John played all the way through college. For most of John's life, he has been an entrepreneur, which has led to a roller coaster life. Some of his businesses have failed, as he says, most of them, in fact, and some, as you'll see, have not. At one point, John and his wife, Deb, had borrowed, get this, $60 million and Following the financial collapse of 2008, they found themselves still $28 million in debt. By the power of prayer and the Lord doing one miracle after another, the debt they had no way to pay back was eventually wiped out. Around the same time, right before the financial collapse of 2008, Deb was also diagnosed with breast cancer more than one time. They found themselves trusting in Jesus moment by moment, and their story is about the power of prayer and trust in Jesus Christ. Today, John and Deb are a creative team and currently own a 14-year-old business called Coombobber. Coombobber is a commercial and residential new construction and remodeling company. They also own a custom wood shop that builds cabinets, vanities, and many other all things wood. They have been married for 33 years and have one son, Isaac, who lives in Colorado Springs, Colorado. John also spends time with men young and old to encourage them in their faith and help them find and use their gifts. He is an avid hiker with his most recent trip backpacking and camping through the Swiss Alps. Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast. Are you ready for this? I think so. All right. Well, I'm excited to have you here on the show. And I'd love if we could for you just to start, I've read a little bit about you and your story, but if you could just share a little more of the backstory and how we got to where we are today. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you, Alan, for having me on because unfortunately over the years I have learned that life's hard and yeah, our story is pretty unique. God has taken us in many different journeys. We've been on many different journeys going over different, I like to use mountains, you know, because you never stay on the mountaintop. You always come down, right? So sometimes right. you get up and you experience something, but you're always coming down. So my mom, like you said, was really the one who taught me about Jesus. You know, everything I say today is always going to be about Jesus. It's about him. He has taken us on this journey. We're so thankful for it, but I want him to get all the glory and, and me not to steal any of that from him. But yeah. Met my wife in college, was playing basketball, and then got married, and she thought I was nuts because I didn't want a real job. I wanted to create my own. And so the first eight months of our marriage, I didn't make a dime. Told her I was in commercial real estate, and I was knocking on doors. And after eight months, I finally made several thousand dollars, and I was hooked. So fast forward, started a company. Was that selling commercial real estate? It was doing all different. It was buying land. It was building stuff. It was leasing stuff. It was selling stuff. A little stuff. bit of everything. I worked with a guy and he kind of taught me a lot of stuff. 
And so very thankful for that. Still friends with him to this day. So started a company here on the south side of Indianapolis. And after a few years talking to a guy constantly that I played basketball with in college, we spoke all the time and he didn't really like what he did. And we talked about us coming together and we went out to Colorado, hiked a mountain, decided, hey, we're going to do this. So a couple of weeks later, he called me. He was in a different city. He called me and said, hey, there's a property we can buy over here for $2 million. I was like, I don't have $2 million. But we figured that out and another property came up and we kind of figured both of those properties out and raised six, seven, eight million dollars. And then we bought those properties. And one in particular was the night before we were closing, I was praying and the Lord was very clear about not closing on that property. And we ended up closing anyway. And and that property kind of became our nemesis for a couple of years. So we borrowed 60 million bucks and started building all these high-rise condo buildings all over the place on the river and downtown and had a lot of success in selling them. It was going well. And then 2008 happened and you know the banks started a foreclosure on one property and we were cross-collateralized in the other ones. And so we tried to fight them as hard as we could because we didn't feel they had a right. And at that point, we were 28 million in debt. We had paid back 32 million. And so over the next four years, we were in and out of depositions and we still believed that we were in the right. So God started doing one miracle after another. He got the first 10 million paid off, which blew our minds. And then right. we had three seven story towers and two of them were sold out. And the third one was just a shell building. Well, the Lord sold all those in like eight and a half months got that one paid off. So we're down to a 13-story building that we had built. I think seven people moved in. Six units were probably 80 to 90% complete. And that went into receivership. So we couldn't do anything with that building and had to move my family back to Indianapolis, had to move in with a family, which was very humbling. And from that point on, we started praying a prayer that the bank would give us back that building free and clear. That you owed how much on? Eight and a half million. It was a radical prayer. And I guess people would think it's a radical prayer. I think God thinks that's what we should be praying because he says to pray continuously. And yeah, it was selfish probably on my part. It was a prayer that came to mind that I had never prayed. So a few weeks later, that's exactly what the bank did. They gave us back that building free and clear. And I as at that time, as a 42-year-old man, I cried for a few days. And then I got excited because I knew we were going to make 10 to $13 million off of that building. We still had 17 units to sell and was praying again and just heard the Lord say, you know, John, you love money more than you love me. And I immediately said, yes, I do. What do you want me to do? So my wife and I, we sold our interests for a dollar. Wow. We could have sold it for more, but if I'd have got a million or two, my heart would have still been clinging to that money. And so we moved back to the south side of Indianapolis. And, and previous to all this, when the financial collapse happened, another life's hard moment for us was my wife, Deb, had been diagnosed with breast cancer on three occasions. So we 
definitely battled through that time also. So I got so many questions for you. Your story is phenomenal. The breast cancer, apparently coming back and getting re-diagnosed and that whole battle and struggle, mm-hmm. that was happening simultaneously while this other business situation? Yes. So we'd made the decision to start buying the property over in Ohio. And it was within a day or two, she called me. I was at work and she called me and said she was crying and diagnosed with breast cancer. And of course, your world kind of just stops. So yeah, that's kind of how it all started. I can laugh yeah. about it now, but I wasn't laughing then. You no. know, the, the one thing, Alan, that through her breast cancer, in James, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind. And I could not get over that verse. You know, it's like, Lord, how am I to consider this pure joy? I, I don't. I mean, it just really bothered. I wasn't mad at him or anything, but it really bothered me. What well, wasn't till she got through it all, and it was probably two years later, I'm reading that verse again, and the Lord just spoke to me about what it meant for me. Yeah. And the joy is not the trial. Who gets up in the morning and says, man, I hope I'm going to have a big trial today. Nobody does that. Right. The joy is not the trial. The joy is knowing Christ in the midst of the trial. And once I understood that, life got easier for me. Right. That's a good word. I appreciate you bringing that out of that James 1, 2. It goes on beyond verse 2. But that passage there, that's one of my favorite passages. And Nicole and I have had to cling to it on more than one occasion. (laughs) We, too, had a family member, actually a teenage daughter many years ago, diagnosed with cancer. So (laughs) we also have that in common, who's also doing well today, as Deb is as well. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Before I start diving into some of these other questions, I'm trying to just kind of get a good picture and make sure our listeners can kind of get their head wrapped around your story. It's a yeah. phenomenal story. How many years, roughly, was the time frame of this business venture from the time you partnered with a friend, it sounds like, till around 2008, I guess, when it all kind of came crashing down? It all started maybe six, seven years. Okay. I had already had the company for a few years, and then we were talking we talked all the time, but we were talking and that's kind of how we started. I'm not a financial guy. He's a financial guru. God's really gifted him in that area. I was never book smart. You know, I got through college, which still amazes me to this day. I'm more street smart. Yeah. I know how to deal with people. Yeah. I love it. So you make a great partnership. And just to make sure our listeners caught this and that I was clear myself as well, because this is a phenomenal part of the story. And shows how good God is and how we should be bold in our prayers. But you owed eight and a half million dollars, I think you said, on this building that was taken from you, foreclosed on, and the bank gave it back to you free and clear with no debt on it. Free and clear. Are you able to share how that worked? We did not believe in filing lawsuits and, and all that kind of stuff, but we had to file a lawsuit back just to get them to stop for a while so we could kind of figure out, you know, if there was something we could do. And it was during that time, depositions and doing all these things that the radical prayer, I'll say, started praying that prayer. And so what they said was they sent us an email and it said, if you stop your lawsuit, we will give you back the building free and clear. Now, we were telling them if we went to court in front of our peers, we would probably get three times the amount that we owed. And they said, that's never going to happen and all that. But 
God always has a different plan. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And so I'm not saying there weren't Christian people at that bank. There probably were. But God wanted to show me and my wife and Paul and his wife his power. And so he did. And our mindset changed on the power of prayer and and big prayers. And we've seen all kinds of amazing things since then that he's done. And still to this day, we're still believers in that. I, I actually last week went down to Hasbury just yeah. because of I've read about it years ago and just wanted to see what the Lord was doing. And I bet that was a, a wonderful experience. I know it, it was. was for our 19 year old daughter who actually drove four hours up there with a couple of friends to yeah. experience that as well and be part yeah. of that. Yep. So then you get this thing back free and clear. Was that the last bit of the 60 million in debt or the 28 million? That yeah. Was last? So we had paid back 32. We we're Yeah. That was the last of it because he had done that 10 million and then whatever the next portion was like 9 million. And then we were eight and a half to nine. And yes, that was. And so we were done. We didn't owe. And so one of the things, Alan, is if we would have filed for bankruptcy, which was what several men were telling us to do, you're going to be done in two weeks, file bankruptcy. If we would have done that, we would have never seen what God was going to do four or five years later. And so us being obedient and listening to not file the bankruptcy, he showed us his power and who he was. And it's very difficult to do sometimes, right? right. Uh, yeah. Because the easy thing for man is to, I got to get out of this. I don't want to be in this pain. I don't want to be in this suffering. You know, I went through some depression and, you know, I was like, no, I've never been depressed. Well, I did. I suffered through some of that stuff, you know? And, and one of the things is, as I'm going through this, people didn't know what to say to me. We were 28 million in debt. And so right. they'd say, oh, you'll get through. Nobody knew. And I needed somebody that was just going to pray with me and encourage me and those things and, and just get me through the day. Because one of the greatest lessons that we learned is to not worry about the past, live in the moment, mm. pray for today, pray for our daily bread today. And once we started doing that, God started delivering, hey, we have a bill coming up. It's 520 bucks. Guess what he gave that day? 520 bucks, you know? Wow. So yeah, pretty amazing. Wow. I love it. And then I just love that you've worked all these years to get to the point where miraculously you're debt-free, right? Your last eight and a half million dollars is wiped out by the bank. You're home free. You can build out these last 17 units, make 10, 12, 15 million dollars that half is yours. If I understand you guys yep. are 50, 50 partners, correct? Right. Yep. And you decide because if I understood you right, because you loved money more than God and you answered God honestly when he asked <laughs> you that question, yes, that you sold your half interest in that company to your partner and, yeah. and walked away from it. And that was when? 2008? Or what year was that? 2008. 2008. Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. What a story. And today you've got this remodel and new construction business where you're building multi-million dollar homes and remodeling and doing, I assume, a significant amount of volume there now, 14 years later? Yeah, we try to control it to do only as much as we can. And I once chased that money and wanted to get big and all that. I don't care about that stuff anymore, which sounds weird for me to say that. Now, I'm not going to say I'm not a man and that the enemy doesn't cause some of those vices to come up and the love of money or anything like that. But I know 
now how through Jesus and scripture and prayer and others, how to handle those things and give them to God. You know, one of the things that we've learned through this, and I'll give you an example. If, if your wife called you right now and we didn't have caller ID in our phones or anything like that, and you picked up the phone and said hello, well, when she said hello, you would know her because right. you know her voice. You've spent time with her. It's the same thing with Christ. Once we spend the time with him and we know his voice, we know when he's saying something to us or he's calling us. And so we have to spend the time in order to hear his voice. Because there's a lot of times throughout the day, you're wondering, okay, you got to make a decision. And us men, sometimes we make these quick decisions. I'm guilty of it too. But God wants to be involved in every decision. So bringing those before him. And so the more time that I spend to get to know him more, it becomes easier. Now, I'm not perfect at that. You know, right, I'm not right. as great as I should be, but it's on my mind. It's on my heart a lot. And so trying to get his input on every decision is crucial. I love it. But I think it's safe to say for our listeners that Kumbaber Construction Company is quite successful today and that God's blessed it over the last 14 years. But again, as I understood, you started you and your son out of your garage, out of your home saying, hey, God, whatever you want to do yeah, with this business. It's actually me and my wife, Deb. Okay. She was right beside me doing everything I was doing. She's very talented. So, I love it. Yeah, she was right next to me. Our son, he didn't like it. So it was literally the two of you. It was the two of it us. It was your four hands doing the work initially. Yeah. 14 years ago. Yes. So what would you say has been a practical key to your success? So we have interns that will come and work for us. And them, along with everybody that we have hired, I've told them all the same thing. If you don't learn anything here, learn how to relate and deal with people. Develop relationships because that will take you further in life than anything. And I tell them all, when I was in college, I had good roommates and bad roommates. Now, if my roommates from college hear about me saying bad, <laughs> they're going to all call me and say, was I a bad one? But I had good teammates and bad teammates. But I got along with all of them. And I learned how to deal with all those different personnel. Same thing I carried over into the business world. If you ask people, they probably say, John's a nice guy. Sometimes I'm probably too nice, but I know how to deal with relationships. And so that is probably the key that I teach all of our guys and anybody that might intern for us also. Is to develop relationships and, and treat people well. Yep. That's great wisdom right there for all of us. The biggest challenge, would you say, is it very hard for you to identify, obviously at 50 plus years of living, we've all faced plenty of challenges, but you've mentioned a couple big ones there, the the business situation, as well as your wife's cancer. I'm sure there's been others, but what would you say has been the, the biggest one? Does one stand out to you in your life up to this point? Well, obviously Deb's cancer, and we thought that was like the biggest thing that we were going to go through. And we'll both tell you that the debt was harder. We were told that in cancer and this debt, either it's going to drive you two apart or bring you two together. And each one of them strengthened our relationship. The hardest thing for me to do, I'm 57. When I was 28, I finally stopped faking my Christianity. 
the hardest thing for me to do then was to pray with Deb. I don't know why, but man, it was so difficult. And so when I talk to a lot of men, I ask them if they pray with their wives and they say no. And I get it because it was hard. But once you start practicing those things, it became easier. So those big, tough things, when you're going through a battle like that, I don't care if it's your son has broken his foot and you feel for him and all that. It is big to you during that time. So 28 million in debt was big to me. So I was in front of a group of 100 guys sharing this many years ago. And a couple of guys came up to me and said, man, I'm glad I'm not you. You were 28 million in debt. And he said, you know, I'm just dealing with a broken marriage. And I said, I'm glad I'm not you. So whatever we're going through is big to us, whether it's 28 million in debt, whether it's cancer, whether it's a broken foot, whether it's lost keys, whatever it is, it's big to us. And so God wants us to come to him in every one of those situations. So good. So good, John. During the heat of the battle and in any either one of those situations or others, you said you had at one point experiencing some depression and you'd never experienced that before. One of the things I think a lot of people struggle with is the negative self-talk and, and what what kind of the thoughts in our head. And was that part of the equation too, when you were also struggling with a little depression going through that season? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the enemy was lying to me and telling me I was worthless and that I can't provide for my family. You're 42 years old. You've lost everything. You're worthless. And I've told men this. So I felt like I was on a battlefield and the arrows were hitting me, right? Boom, boom, boom. They're hitting me all over. I go to my knees and I wanted to fall on my face, right? And just be done. But there was something in me that was saying, these things are lies. These are strongholds and they can be demolished. And so, yes, did I have fear? You betcha. Anxiety. Yes. Worry. Yes. Do not conform. It says, do not conform in Romans 12 to do not conform to the pattern of this world. Well, what are those patterns? Well, the enemy has set up those patterns, fear, worry, doubt. So when things happen, that's what we're supposed to turn to. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the more time that we spend, the more that we can renew our mind, we can get through those things because God's word says we have everything we need for this life, everything. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm like a lot of other men, right? Sometimes we hear a lie and we want to believe it, right? We want to believe it. And you need another guy to help you that is going to say, hey, let me pray with you. Or what are you doing? You're believing this lie, this stronghold. Let's demolish this through the name of Jesus, you know? And we need other men in our lives to be able to help us accomplish those things. 100%. Would you say looking back on it now, there was anything that you could have done to better prepare you had you known you were going to go through a couple of these major storms? Honestly, I don't think so. Because I think God allowed those things to happen to make me a stronger man. So I'm thankful that those things happen. His word says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So my mind always says, trouble today, trouble tomorrow. We're going to have trouble. Right. You know, it's how we deal with it when that trouble comes. 
So good. As you said, we've been given everything we need to live a victorious life in God's word. And he let us know that in this world, we're going to have trouble. And to think that we wouldn't, and that there's some kind of utopia. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say many years of my early adulthood. I don't know if I would have said it, but I believed that there was some sort of utopia that I could find, not in some new age spiritual sense, just that yeah. some wonderful, almost perfect place to live and you know, perfect job and perfect this and could be just different than the reality of life and what I've experienced. But that is helpful to know that we are going to continue to go through challenges, but to know where to turn and to know the solutions when we do. So I love that perspective that you shared. Would you say that this has given you a greater ability to encourage others? Some might use the word platform, but not necessarily a, a social media platform, but a platform or ability to relate and encourage others in a way that you wouldn't be able to had you not gone through these challenges? Oh, that's kind of a loaded question. Yes, absolutely. I mean, my experience, I know when I share with men, I know it can encourage them. I know. And I think God allows that with all of us. I mean, You've experienced things in your life that you can encourage other men because you've been there or you see somebody going through the same, hey man, I'm going to get in the foxhole with you. I've been there. I know what that's like. So absolutely, if somebody's recovering from AA, from alcohol, and somebody that has never been an alcoholic can't really relate to them. But if you've been there and you're in that position, then you can really relate to somebody who has been through that. Same thing with whatever, the fear, the doubt, because we know a lot of men deal with those things. Fear yeah. of failure. That was my biggest thing was fear of failure. And then what are other people going to think of me? That was initial. I don't have that. I haven't had that for a few years. When the inmate starts preaching that stuff to me, I don't believe it anymore because I think as an entrepreneur, you initially have that fear of failure. But eventually, if you continue trying to do things, you don't have that anymore. You know, it's like, okay, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> or yeah, that was a good one. And why do you think that is? Why do you think that fear of failure becomes less and less and less, if not completely gone? So for me, it is because of Christ, because I have learned how to turn those things over to him. Because for years, you're like, well, here people say, well, give it to Christ. Get, what does that mean? Give it to him. Well, I was so good at giving it to him. And picking it back up within seconds, I call it stinking thinking. You get to stinking thinking going. Well, I think I'm the greatest there is at stinking thinking because I can give it to him. I mean, it's seconds later, I can pick it back up and that stinking thing. And so, how does the Lord help me get rid of that? I believe he is quoting scripture out loud because when you quote scripture out loud and you mention the name of Jesus, the enemy flees because. All this stuff is coming at you and he's wanting you to believe all these different lies. And so I just think that helps me personally. I love it. He's not giving us a spirit of fear, right? It's very clear. So That's right. what great advice. You're dropping some golden nuggets that I hope we're all picking up on, John. This is really good stuff. And, you know, one other thing I was going to add to the question I asked you about the challenges, giving you a greater platform to encourage others, help others, inspire others you answered the question. It also, I found works both ways. I mean, you used AA as an example. There's many examples we could use, but not only does the person like yourself or myself, who's been through a particular challenge, 
Do we have the ability to better relate with the person in the middle going through it? Maybe, you know, years behind us. Right. But also I know for myself personally, I think this is just human nature. It's a lot more encouraging to me to talk to somebody who's already been through what I've been through than somebody who hasn't. Right. So that's super exciting to me to, to have that. And the reason why I asked that question is for our listeners sake, I think so often it's so easy to, in the midst of the heat of the battle, forget of all the benefits of going through whatever it is. And that's one of them that I've found has been really huge, right. huge. And I like to be reminded of that because I know the next challenge is coming the next trial, yeah. you know, whatever you want to call it, the next tough thing is coming. And to remember that this has given me an ability as I go <laughs> and grow through it to be able to help others it changes the perspective. Then it's not all about me, you know, right. it's about how can this help others? So that's why I love that question. Yeah. If you could go back in time, knowing now what you obviously know now, what you didn't know when you were younger, what advice would you give to your younger self as it relates to success in business, as it relates to going through a challenge, anything in that vein? Okay. So if I was a younger me married, I would say, trust the wisdom of your wife. So much godly wisdom comes out of her. And as a young man, I didn't want to hear it. And if I'm giving advice to a non-married John as a younger man, I would say, get two or three men, godly men around you that are wise and that are prayerful. And when you are going through whatever you're going through, call on those guys to pray with you, to give you godly wisdom. So I have these three guys now that, because I'm an idea guy. And so I don't do every one of them, but when I get some of the crazy ones, I call these guys and I'll, I say, well, here's what I'm thinking. And, you know, they're honest with me. Hey, I think that's great. Pray about it. I think you're nuts. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> and trust those guys. As a young man, us men, we're proud people, right? We're very prideful. The younger I was, probably the more prideful I was. And so it would just be probably also don't be so prideful. Some more good advice. I don't know if this is any different than what you just said, but is there one piece of advice you'd give to someone right in the midst of their struggle right now? Probably something that I had said earlier is whatever your battle is, it's big to you. So a lot of times we want somebody else to hear our battle, hear where we're at. And if you have somebody that is saying that to you, listen to them, you know, don't interrupt them when they're talking because just let them say everything that they need to say because they need to get that off of it. And then how can I pray with you for that or whatever it is? There isn't anybody on this earth that is not going through some battle that could admit that they're going through that everybody is going through some battle. So I just think if somebody's going to tell that, just listen to them, pray with them, and you can see what the Lord's going to do. Love it. Great advice. Do you have a favorite success quote you may be willing to share with our listeners? Success quote. It's something that I read all the time. And I don't know if I put the word success behind it, but are you so in love with Jesus that you take no thought of where he may lead you? And so 
something I say to guys all the time. Are you so in love with him that you take no thought of where he may lead you? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to be sent? Are you ready to be called, as they say? And to me, that is success. You know, success as a young man was defined by how much money you had, how big your house was, how many cars you had, you had a second home. That's not it for me anymore. And I'm not keeping a scorecard or anything, but we'll be known by our fruit. That's success to me. If you can be patient, have peace, be kind, gentle, that is what success is. So if you are so in love with Jesus that you're like, wherever you want to take me, Lord, I will go. Can you really say that? Because he may say, okay, I want you to go here. No, I want you to pull over right now. And I want you to go in that building over there and pray for somebody. You know, are you willing to do that? Or ask you if you're willing to sell your multi-million dollar company for a dollar. <laughs> so good. What is one habit would you say that's helped you become successful? And I know that's a broad, broad question because success is a broad word. But what would you say? I would say prayer. I'm going to put it in three things. Prayer, reading his word, and trusting him. If I do those things, I'm successful because I'm a better man. I can manage our business better. I can manage my marriage better, my relationships with people, with my family. If I'm doing those things, it's going to be good. Exactly. What would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever received from somebody else? Love people, be kind, and be a great listener. I think it's so key. I mean, we know as men, our wives have more words than us, right? Yeah. We've come home from work and they're just halfway done for the day, right? And so just being a good listener, so crucial. So important in all relationships, starting with marriage. That's a great piece of advice. Is there a book, John, that you might recommend for the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience? Obviously, the Bible would be my number one. And then right. there's a book called Who Not How. Very good. It really helped my wife and I when we were trying to figure things out and how to get things done. And it kind of teaches you it's not how, it's who. Who can do this for you? So as we start to wrap this up, John, this has been awesome, by the way, and I'm loving every minute of it. But what would you say is something that you're currently doing or working on or anything else for that matter that excites you about the future? I'm trying to be more intentional, and I'm really excited about this. I believe every man needs to get away from their environment for three to five days once a year to get their passion back for Jesus, their families, and their purpose. And it's helping these guys, taking them somewhere. And so for me, it's taking them to Colorado. I go out to Colorado a bunch and I kind of help guide them trying to find their gifts and things like that. But it's letting the Lord just work on these guys. And so I'm excited about, I've got to trying to plan something for a couple of weeks this summer. I love it. Is that something kind of formal, like a program you run or is it just? No, sometimes thing? it's just one guy, you know, and a couple of years ago, I had a buddy that had been wanting to climb a mountain with me for several years. And his wife finally said, you can go with John. And so we trained and we went and climbed Mount Democrat. And it was just a great experience just with the Lord and us both learning so much. And, you know, to this day, 
I see him all the time. He talks about that two years later all the time. And so weeks ago, and I said, hey, we're going to climb. And I told him what not. I said, we're going to climb this summer. Get ready. <laughs> I know God's gifted me with the ability to talk to men. And so just trying to get more. And is it formal? No, it's not. But I'm not saying it won't be one day. Right. So, you know, for me, I want these men to experience some of the same thing I have because I've been going out there for 25 years by myself, hiking all these places by myself. And when I get back, I'm just ready to walk through walls. I mean, I'm fired up for Jesus and it's okay. So they come back and they have the same experience. How can we keep that fire burning? I'm always kind of thinking through, okay, how can I help keep these men, keep that fire for Jesus burning in their heart? I love it, John. And and I love the areas that you mentioned. If I got that right, you're talking about three to five days to get away mm -hmm. from the hustle, the bustle, yep. the grind, the day-to-day -day yep. and focus on things that are going to help strengthen our, our, our family, our relationship with Jesus. Right. And I think you said our purpose, yep. right? Which is going to tie into obviously our occupation, our business, whatever that might be that God's called us to do. And what a great thing. That's why I asked if it was a, a formal thing. Not that it needs to be because it's just as powerful with one. You are one of many guys that asked me that. You know, I have a guy right now that just retired as a CEO of a company, built this $60 million company. And he asked me all the time about, you need to formalize that thing. Yeah. He's like, I want to come. Like I want to come. So. Well, let me know if you do. That sounds like an amazing experience. And I'd love to get to spend more time around you. <laughs> Thank you. And the men that want to be there. Yeah, exactly. I would add. Exactly. What would you say is the best way for our listeners to connect with you and follow along on your journey? I don't know if you do social media or not, or if there's not well, a way for people to connect with you. I would just say email is kumbaber at gmail.com is one way to connect with us. And yeah, if they go to our website, we're not the greatest post and stuff. And the, uh, we're not the greatest marketers. All of our business has kind of been word of mouth, but we're trying to do better on all that stuff. Well, your 26 year old son is off doing something else in Colorado. So you, you lost one of your IT guys. Yes, it sounds we like did. we did any passionate about what he does. And we love that. Awesome. And what, what is it he does? He works for the Colson Center, and he is in their marketing department. He graduated with a photography degree, and he's in marketing and kind of runs all that stuff, I think. I'm not sure exactly what he does, but he helps us a lot, too, when we need something. Kind of like the picture I sent you. I was like, do you have a picture of me that's you know high quality? And he took it. So he's a professional photographer. He sent me that. And I'm like, okay, good. Love it. Where would we be without the help of our wife and our children? So kumbobber at gmail.com. We'll put that in the show notes. If anybody wants to contact John, it'll be down in the show notes below. John, I'm going to give you the last word. Any, any closing comment that you might have for our listeners? One thing I want to say, because everybody loves this, the word kumbobber. So when Isaac was three, he watched Veggie Tales, Bob the Tomato, Larry the Cucumber. He'd run around saying, Larry's a coombobber. Larry's a coombobber. And finally, I figured it out. One day I said, you mean he's a cucumber? And he said, yeah, he's a coombobber. So we laughed. We took the liberty of spelling that. So everybody likes to hear, you know, why it was named that. But probably. So now you got to spell it. Now we got to spell it. We got to. How do you spell it? K-O-O-M as in Mary. 
and then bobber like a fishing bobber b-o-b-b-e-r boom bobber love it it probably the last thing i would really say is you know is john 16 33 in this world you have trouble but take heart jesus says this but take heart i've overcome the world and all this stuff going on in our world the earthquakes and people dying and wars as christians we shouldn't be surprised at this and so we know trouble is coming nobody gets up in the morning and says you know what i hope i have some trouble today nobody wants that right. but jesus has overcome those things and so that's what we can grab courage from and be hopeful and joyful in our spirit and around other people and just realizing those things such a great word to go out on and what all of us the whole world needs to hear yeah. every single day so i appreciate you sharing that john 16 33 passage john thank you so much i know thank you you've got plenty of things you could have been doing but uh taking time out of your busy day to come on here and share some of your wisdom and your story and your experience with our life's hard succeed anyway audience thank you so much yeah, thank you alan thanks for having me appreciate it if you love this podcast, grab some of Alan's free resources on his website at alanblain.com, spelled A-L-L-A-N-B-L-A-I-N.com. You can also find links to Alan's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok there in his contact page. Lastly, if you can leave a five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app, that will get these messages out to more people and it will really mean the world to us. Thanks in advance and make it a great day.